come here to remember, and I hope you'll all agree that it's worth coming here. It's worth going somewhere to remember. We've come, we've traveled, and I wonder now that we're gathered what it was and what it is that constitutes the biggest distance for you in coming here to remember. Was it physical distance, travel time, or is it spiritual distance, the feeling of being far from God, the struggle to conjure that latent memory of a good God? What are you here to remember? I have a Canadian friend, Ali, who came to stay with us over half term. She doesn't remember her great-grandfather, but part of the reason for her visit to us in London was so that she could travel from here to Ypres and to stand in the place where her great-grandfather had fought. She shared some of her thoughts with me. She said, I was struck by the fact that after all these years, they were still finding bodies and bombs that need to be detonated. People get killed every year by these bombs still. One just happened in May. I was angered by how young lads were lured with the promise of new clothes, adventure, see the world, without proper training, and then led to the slaughter. So many young lives lost, having not yet lived. I was struck by the men in gate in Ypres that listed the names of the missing soldiers, 55,000 of them. She goes on, and I was struck by the red berry bushes on Hill 60, where craters obliterated so many soldiers. It was as though the soil honored their blood. We're here to remember this. We're here to remember loved ones who fought. We're here to remember the missing. We're also here to remember extraordinary details from a comprehensively dreadful time. Details like those recorded by West Londoner Private R.J. Vine in a letter passed to the Chiswick Times. On the 1st of January 1915, he wrote... We can do 20 miles march with rifles, and although we do six hours drill a day, I still think the army is a lazy life. The difficult part is shaving. I have tried shaving with some success with tea, ginger beer, and cold water. In the next sentence, he writes, a man named Dixon had three children killed and one injured in the Hartlepool affair and has left for home. His case is as bad as any. He has all our sympathy. We remember Private Vine. We remember Dixon and his family. And of course, the Christmas Day truce. Corporal R. Ridley from Clapham wrote this in a letter home, also January 1915. On Christmas Eve, we sang songs, and then we heard clapping and encore from the trenches opposite. We lighted candles and stuck them on entrenching tools and they copied us. We then lighted matches 
held them up and stood up on the parapets. They did likewise. And so we said, hang it all. If they don't fire at that, we'll get out in front. This we did. They then shouted, happy Christmas, football tomorrow. Little did we think what the morrow would bring forth. We helped Germans bury a few of their snipers we had killed and held a service over them. They thanked us and we went our respective ways to our trenches. We were not satisfied. So we went on our own and called them out and we exchanged cigars, cigarettes, buttons, hats and shook hands as though we had been friends reunited after years of parting. Then, to crown it all, a German came rushing out with a camera. After shaking hands, he took my photo with each arm through a German's arm. We made a truce on our own, and if it was left to the soldiers, we could finish the war today. Friends, we're here to remember this. And yet we're here in church to also remember something else. Something, dare I say, in 2018, we are most inclined to forget. We're here to be reminded of God. We're here to remember Jesus Christ, who gave his life for the sake of the world and in place of mourning, promises joy. We're here to remember the one who has won for us true and lasting peace forgiveness of sins, peace with God, the kind of peace that makes peace on earth not just imaginable, but possible. We come to church not just to remember saints and heroes, but to remember sinners, and we among them, to remember that given the right circumstances, we could all too easily be at war again. This is why Christians come here to remember not yearly, but weekly, to remember our own contribution to all that is corrupted, bloody, and broken in the world, to seek forgiveness from a God who loves us and forgiveness from one another. In the passage from Ephesians that Jim read to us, the Apostle Paul writes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. How far would the peace extend if we observed these two short lines? How far would peace extend if we remembered them? We are urged by God and empowered by his Holy Spirit today to live lives like this. Lives that are not just worthy of our calling, but worthy of the very life we have received because of those who gave and lost their lives a 100 years ago. We're here to remember the peace that was secured on the 11th of November, 1918. But there is a far greater peace to hand. Peace with God, the God who gives peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Paul writes elsewhere, 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's worth the effort, isn't it? Not to fight, not to argue, not to kill. It's worth the effort, isn't it? To bear with one another in love. But maybe you're wondering, what is this unity of the Spirit? Why didn't Paul just write, make every effort to stay united through the bond of peace? The unity of the Spirit is this precious thing that we're invited to enjoy every day, every week, every year. It is the unity of people who, in spite of social, racial, and all sorts of other difference, have been remembering together the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. The unity of the Spirit is the unity of people who believe in Jesus, a man for whom no evidence exists, except evidence that bears witness to him as Son of God, crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. The way we remember is to come every week to the Lord's table, the place where, however far from God we feel, we are always invited to come and share bread and wine and peace with God and peace with one another. It is always possible and always tempting to thank God and go our respective ways back to our trenches. The alternative is to live like Corporal Ridley and go back dissatisfied. To go back dissatisfied and to call one another to live in a way that is worthy of the calling we have received, worthy of the life that has been won for us. Left to ourselves, war is what happens. Left to those soldiers, to this God, to our response, we could end war today. Don't forget this. May God's peace be with you and those whom you love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.